And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. It's good to see all of you. Uh, I believe that um, uh, tech students are back for the fall break. If you're a tech student, uh, give a uh, yes, sir. I don't know. Nice. Any other tech students? No one? <laughs> All right. Um, well, for those of you uh, who are here for the very first time, uh, also we welcome you to our church. And it's my uh, privilege for me to preach God's word to you. Uh, we have been going through a vision series. Uh, in the first two weeks, we have expanded upon the vision statement of the English congregation of KCPC, which is one gospel for all walks of life. And we say this uh, in the beginning of our service before uh, we start our service, which is based upon Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And these past two weeks, Pastor Sam and Pastor David have been tackling the mission statement to grow gospel-centered community groups based on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. So we've been in this passage for, uh, for the past couple weeks, and we'll uh, dwell here for a couple more weeks. And under this mission statement, we have four sub-points that we have uh, been going over. First is encounter Christ's gospel. Second, embrace Christ's bride. And third, equip the Christ body. And fourth, embody Christ's mission. And today, I have the privilege of covering the third sub-point, which is equipping the body of Christ. What exactly is the body of Christ? It is not his physical body that he was incarnated in, nor is his sacramental body, uh, the bread, right, of the Lord's Supper, but is his symbolic, mystical body, the church. Every single believer of Jesus Christ is a member of this body of Christ. And the Apostle Paul often uses this imagery to describe the church as the body and Christ as the head of the body. A lot of times when he's trying to uh, explain uh, the gifts that God has given to his church. And we will study this passage and this topic in three points. First, the purpose of equipping Christ's body. And second, the method of equipping Christ's body. And number three, the fruit of equipping Christ's body. So having said that, uh, we're going to tackle just these three points. And before we do, let's bow our heads in prayer. Uh, let's ask the Lord to speak to us through uh, his, uh, yeah, his word today. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. 
that is embedded just not uh, in just the preaching of God's word, but as, as we have seen, even from the call to worship to the songs that we sing and the type of prayer that we pray, everything revolves uh, around your word, the truths that you have revealed. And God, we are dependent on your word, what you have revealed to us. So Father, would you speak to us even today and help us to have ears to hear, God, that we may respond appropriately how you desire us to live. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, whom you have gifted us uh, as the one who have given us salvation. And that it is through him, Lord, we have life. Life not just a, a, as if we have a ticket to heaven, but Lord, a life to live for your glory. And so, Lord, would you transform our hearts and so doing our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, number one, our first point is the purpose of equipping the body of Christ. What is the purpose behind equipping this body? Well, if you look with me in verse 12, it says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. The work of ministry is not merely for the professional ministers, the pastors, the church employees. Every single believer is called to the work of ministry. Yes, the trained pastors like me definitely do the work of ministry. But the pastor's primary role is to equip you so that you can also do the work of ministry. And this is what we call the priesthood of all believers. Every single person who placed their genuine faith in Jesus Christ here has the privilege and the duty to carry out this care, spiritual care for another person. And this is a good news to me as a pastor because us pastors can't do everything by ourselves. I mean, even Jesus says, John chapter 14, verse 12, he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. What is he saying here? He's not saying that his work, Jesus' work of ministry was something that is less significant than ours. In fact, his was the greatest and the most fund foundational work. So what Jesus is saying is that he will continue, multiply his great work through the spirit of Christ inside of his saints, you and I. Jesus Christ in his humanity, he can't clone himself, right? Be multiple places at the same time. But with the spirit of Christ living in his saints, living in us, the work of ministry can happen multiple places at the same time. And that's why he had to leave. He had to go to the Father so that the Spirit of Christ would be sent. Just a personal illustration. Uh, as a worship pastor and college pastor at the same time, juggling between these two roles have been incredibly challenging for me in the past year. There are times when I genuinely wish uh, I could have one more of myself. However, 
There were many individuals in my life, in this church, who have stepped up to help me in both the worship ministry and the college ministry. And I thank God that there aren't two of me. I thank God for individuals who are different from me, with different gifts, different personalities, that add flavor to these ministries. Every single believer is tasked with building up the body of Christ. And the purpose of construction, construction workers being equipped with tools, whether it be saw, helmet, ruler, etc., is to build a building together, right? So each worker has different tools, different roles, whether it be to drive the forklift, putting the cones around the construction site, using the jackhammer, whatever it is, they were most likely trained and guided to use these tools to come together to complete one goal, to build whatever building it is. And in the same manner, the local church, KCPC, exists to train you and to give you the tools to serve. So yes, utilize us pastors and other spiritual leaders here at KCPC to help you and to guide you. And know that we will also encourage you strongly to encourage you to be the instrument of God to serve his people. Because there are locations, settings, in which we pastors cannot reach, but only you can. Whether it be your classrooms, college students, your workplaces for those who are working, your neighborhood, your family. Unfortunately, some churches, especially mega churches, have many, many passive spectators, but not active participants. This does not produce a sense of ownership amongst its attendees. This also does not seem to be the design of the church that God has envisioned and intended. And I believe God cares so deeply about investing into the maturity of individuals. And you know, there's a saying, right? It takes a village to raise a child. And the Christian version is, it takes a church to mature a soul. This means that every member of the church needs to be active in order to be a functioning unit as a church. I mean, think about your hand. If you have only a portion of your hand working, so let's say I only have two fingers that are working, it's hard for the whole hand to function properly, right? And this is why it is necessary for every, finger, every member here to be active participants and not merely just passive spectators. It's not about what can the church do for me, but what can I do for the kingdom of God through the means of my local church. So what exactly is the work of ministry that we're talking about? Well, it's not just preaching. Not just going on a mission trip, not just being a, some spiritual leader. It's not just volunteering for specific ministry at this church. But it is to simply love your neighbor as yourself. Let's consider this in the context of community groups. 
community groups do not exist ultimately for social purposes to meet our own needs. So, for example, hanging out, and that's great, it's fine, but hanging out is a means to an end. And that end is to love and care and to serve one another. But at the same time, we love and care, serve one another to even a greater end, which is to know and proclaim Jesus and the gospel with our lives, especially in the face of unbelieving world. So if we spend a lot of, just a lot of time as a community group without intentionally serving one another, it is a waste of opportunity. And if we are serving one another, but not being sent out as representatives of Christ and the gospel, that is also a waste as well. Community groups exist to create a culture of discipleship and not consumerism. One of the primary factors uh, in people that I speak to in choosing a church is often, oh, I want to find a community uh, that I can just, you know, feel like I belong to, that I can just, you know, click with, the people I can click with. And I want to challenge you and say that that's an attitude of consumerism. But our focus here at KCPC is discipleship, to save the lost to disciple the saved into maturity. And our approach, we believe, is holistic, organic process that requires love and attention of the church. And KCPC also desires to help people to discover the needs within KCPC as well. And so to examine their roles, their gifts, so that each member, each person can explore they're calling towards Christ in this local church. So I just want to say just just quick word for those of you who are merely just attending our service. We are thankful that we are here, that you are here. But we challenge you, even those who are just joining us online, we challenge you to consider your gifts that Christ has given you. The purpose as a follower of Christ if you do not use what Christ equipped you with, what does that become? Nothing more than just a, decor- a pretty decoration that is placed on a display shelf as if it's in a museum. It becomes nothing. And our second point, which is the method of equipping the body of Christ. The method of equipping the body of Christ. How does God equip the members of Christ's body. Well, Christ provides the church several roles whose focus is the word ministry. As we see in verse 11, it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So first, Christ appointed the apostles to begin establishing the church. These were the men who encountered Jesus Christ face to face and were discipled directly under him. Also, we're also familiar with the Apostle Paul, who also wrote Ephesians chapter 4 in the book of Ephesians. Also, many other epistles from the New Testament. These were 
the apostles, were the first missionaries that Christ sent into the world to proclaim the word of the gospel. And second, Christ also provided the prophets, not just in the Old Testament era, but also in the early church. And the prophet's role was to prophesy, right? Which is both foretelling to predict the future and forthtelling to speak with divine inspiration to edify the church. And the prophets were necessary in the first century Christianity because God's revelation, namely scripture, was incomplete back then. And these apostles and the prophets were the building blocks of the chief foundation, Jesus Christ, right? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now, I want to make this very, very clear. Apostles and prophets do not exist today. There's no more new apostles, no more new prophets, because there's no more foundations to be built, right? It's already been built, done, right? So if you see anyone coming to you saying, oh, I heard a new revelation from the Lord, what you should do is run away. Don't listen. If anyone today claims that they are the new prophet, the new apostle, do not believe them. They are false teachers, false apostles, and false prophets. And third, there were evangelists. These were the men who assisted the apostles in their journey to plant churches in this first century. However, there's a bit of a debate among scholars whether this role specifically is in existence today as missionaries or not. And finally, the office of shepherds and the teachers. And these roles are still in existence today, being filled. These are the elders, the pastors of the church. They lead, teach the body of Christ to interpret, understand, and apply the word of God. And so the roles mentioned in verse 11 are tasked so that the body of Christ is being equipped with the word of God. So what's the method? The word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, we see all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The body of Christ is not equipped by the charismatic leadership personality, methodologies of flawed human being of the world. The focus is not the talent of the pastor nor the spiritual leaders. The focus is the word of God. So how exactly do we get equipped today for the work of ministry? Let us immerse ourselves in the word of God. Through the preaching of God's word on Sundays like we are right now. Through your personal devotion to God by reading, studying the word yourself in your own time. It is worth your time. Through your own 
time with community group of fellow believers who gather regularly to study and apply God's word together. Hey, how can we apply this word together? Let's talk about that. Through discipleship relationships where there is more in-depth, intentional training of God's word in a more personal setting. And so the question is not if you should serve, but how you should serve. And as the body of Christ, we are to help one another discover his or her own gifts. And equipping means also to enable, right, the saints to do what they were already gifted with by Christ. But they need to put it to use and to practice them and have avenue in which they can grow and develop. So, community groups of KCPC in the English congregation, please enable and encourage the attendees to use their gifts to serve one another. Your community group leaders should not be the only ones serving within your CG. So the question is, how do we enable and encourage one another? I mean, just naturally speaking, as you spend time, a lot of time together, you're bound to notice the strengths, the weaknesses, the gifts of those around you. So what I encourage you to do is not do not just notice them, but to notify them about it. And we go on to our last point, which is the fruit of equipping the body of Christ. The fruit of equipping the body. What would the body of Christ look like as a, as a result of being equipped? Well, I see three things within this passage. First is maturity. Second is stability. And three, unity. So the first fruit of equipping, being equipped, is maturity. If we look at verse 13 through 15, we see here, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children. And then uh, down to verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. God desires you to grow up. Right? I mean, how ridiculous would it be to see an adult still sucking on his thumb, right, being nursed with milk, right? Yes, when you are born again, like recently, fresh born again Christian, yes, you need, you need milk, right? The elementary things to begin the growth. However, as time goes by, you cannot stay there. You cannot stay just drinking milk the whole time. You need to learn how to eat, digest solid food. And that's why Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, 14 says, For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. How do I know? If I'm no longer a spiritual infant, how do I know if I'm maturing as a Christian? Well, it is certainly not about age, experience, nor about informational knowledge, right? It is more to do with 
practicing the truth, right? Actual obedience to God's word. Do you desire to know Jesus personally more and more? Are you able to discern good from evil, discern God's will over your own will? God also desires not just the individual member of the body of Christ to grow, but he desires the whole body of Christ to grow. We see this in verse 16, right? From, the, from whom the whole body joined, held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. The maturity of individual Christians lead to the maturity of the community of Christians, right? That, that makes sense, right? Because think about it. How can the whole body grow if only one part of the body is growing and the other parts are not? It can't, right? Right? We hear this a lot. Can't skip leg day, right? Because when you see someone who works out their upper body a lot, right? So they're really jacked up in the, in the upper body but have stick skinny legs. Something seems off, right? Something seems unbalanced. In the same way, yes, my maturity matters just as much as the maturity of those around me. They matter as well. And here's a, here's a thought. If I am not maturing, then this could also hinder the maturity of those around me. And vice versa, if those around me are not maturing, it can also hinder my own maturity. KCPCEC this is why we must grow in spiritual maturity, both as individuals and as a community. This does not mean that we all have to be at the same level of spiritual maturity because right, each individual has their own pace in the journey. So, you know, but we all must be growing and progressing, right? Remember our vision, one gospel for all walks of life. The second fruit that we see is stability. Stability. Uh, if you look with me in verse 14, it says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. This is a picture of instability in a Christian who is not maturing. Let's face it, there are many false teachings around us. And scripture warns us quite a bit about them. One example, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. This past year, uh, I visited many churches, uh, even during my college visitations. And sadly, there are several churches that did not preach the gospel. What a tragedy. They simply taught how to live a better moral life. 
self-help, motivational talks. And I wonder, how is this any different from just a good TED Talk? Have you heard of the term charismatic, prosperity gospel? Do you know the difference between legalism and antinomianism? I mean, there are these terms that we throw around that we should become familiar with, not because, you know, we're just trying to be more knowledgeable, because these are practical. There are many subtle, disguised, false teachings, even within a healthy church. And our job as pastors is to guide and prepare you so that you can hopefully identify these false teachings when they come. And that's why when you get equipped, the fruit is that you will be ready to test them, to identify them, and even face them head on. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but, to te- but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. KCPC, we must be vigilant about learning and getting our fundamentals down. So please familiarize yourself with Scripture on a daily, regular basis. And get acquainted with the Westminster Catechism. We're not doing this just to fill time. It is intentional. So let's familiarize ourselves, not just with the Word of God, but also things that talk about the Word of God. Another uh, tip, hopefully will be helpful for you, Five solas will be helpful to protect you from many false teachings. Say this with me. Number one, scripture alone. Faith alone. Grace alone. Christ alone. God's glory alone. Amen. So scripture alone, no other authority faith alone. We cannot buy our salvation. Grace alone. We cannot work for our salvation with our own merit. Christ alone. No other Messiah, no other way, no other mediator unto God other than through Christ. God's glory alone. No one else receives receives or deserves the credit or the glory. Certainly, this five, the, the, the list of five solas is not comprehensive. However, holding Firmly to these sola, alone statements, to test whatever teachings is a pretty good place to start. A stable Christian not only understands the gospel, but is able to articulate the gospel. Because this is core to his identity and his life. Jesus Christ is everything to him. Are you able to not just understand, but articulate the gospel without using all these Christian jargons to an unbeliever? If you face somebody, face an unbeliever right now. And the third and the final fruit is unity. And we see that in verse 13, unity of the faith. The result is all walks of life for one gospel. Every life stage working towards one goal, which is the advancement of Christ's kingdom. I mean, think about community groups. 
Is it not an avenue in which we can accomplish unity? Same faith, same doctrine, same vision. Because when two individuals who are fixed on different goals, different vision, try to come together, it is next to impossible. But when two different individuals are fixed on the same goal, same vision, they will be united. Look with me in verse 15 and 16. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, this is, this is astounding. You would think that if every member of the body of Christ is just doing their own given tasks well, then shouldn't the whole body function properly? However, a, according to this passage, another sign that the body of Christ is healthy is when the members lovingly interact with one another. It's just like how your body parts are not separate, but connected and communicates with each other through the nervous system. Another reason why gathering of small groups, community groups, is pivotal in the health of the church. Because as a community group, are you able to speak the truth in love with one another? Not just the truth, not just being loving, but truth in love. Because if we are united, the fruit bore is that what is that we should be able to speak the truth with genuine love for one another and at times say difficult truths to rebuke, exhort, and encourage. Now, some of you may feel a little bit discouraged. It feels like you haven't really grown as a Christian. It feels like you haven't been maturing. You feel like you plateaued. use that term a lot. You don't notice these fruits as easily in your life for whatever reasons. And yes, there may be some legitimate concerns that you may have about your own spiritual growth, which is healthy, which is good. However, if your faith in Jesus is genuine, you see yourself struggling to grow. That struggle, that in and of itself is the evidence that you are maturing. And so I want to encourage you with this illustration that I've heard from a pastor in the past. Too oftentimes we think of sanctification, uh, which is basically Christian growth to become more like Jesus. So we think of sanctification is kind of like a yo-yo, right? Just goes up and down, up and down, up and down, same cycle. However, the way we are actually being sanctified is more like a yo-yo, a person, you know, doing yo-yo but they're going upstairs. In those moments, it feels like our lives are just a lot of just a roller coaster, just up and down. However, in the grand scheme of things, we are slowly but surely progressing upward to become more like Christ. I mean, let's be honest. Many of us are the harshest critics of ourselves. And this is why being part of a community group 
where you get to share your lives intimately with one another is so important because it's often through another person's viewpoint and their encouragement that you get to see your own progress, your own growth, your own maturity. And I want to conclude. Um, KCPC, the most important, the most central foundation that we as a body of Christ need to rely upon is none other than Christ, the head of the church. Each member of the body of Christ is equipped by the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, I'll read from verse 13 through 17. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And when each member of the body of Christ equips him or herself with the whole armor of God, I imagine this. I can imagine the feet of the body of Christ to be the mission, bold missionaries who go out into the unbelieving world to proclaim the gospel. I imagine the hands of the body of Christ to be the servants who do the work of ministry faithfully, sacrificially. In the mouths of the body of Christ to be the preachers of the word of God, the people who encourage, rebukes, the individuals who boldly defends Christianity in the opposing culture. I imagine the ears of the body of Christ to be the patient and compassionate listeners who sympathize and care for the hurting. I imagine the eyes of the body of Christ to be those who see how God is working in their own lives and the lives around them, and they have the insight to discern what is pleasing to God and what is wrong. I imagine the nose of the body of Christ to be the people who breathe God's spirit, to fuel the rest of the body by leading worship, inviting others to celebrate Christ and to express the joy of their salvation. And I want to conclude this with this thought. Uh, and praise team can come up to get ready. The greatest gift that the saints of God that we received was Christ himself. Amen. Christ did not simply come to equip you with just all these various gifts. Christ equips you with himself. With his robe of righteousness so that you may be deemed as righteous in the sight of God. And that you may grow in righteousness. With his perfection so that even in your imperfection, God holds no condemnation towards you. And he's even committed to seeing you being perfected on the last day. With his sonship so that we will no longer be orphans, but sons and daughters of the most high God. And so that we also learn to depend on him in childlike faith daily. How do we receive Christ? You simply receive him by faith 
Will you turn to Christ in humble dependence upon him? He is inviting each of us to come to him and put our confidence in him so that we may equip ourselves with him. And I want to conclude with Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 to 21. Now it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Church, let us be equipped with Christ himself by trusting him, turning to him, so that we may do the work of ministry until all is perfected at the last day.